Morning, church. Good morning. It's wonderful to worship God together this morning and to partake of the uh, communion uh, together. It's a joy always to see the family of God come together and, uh, you know, really be able to do life together. Amen. Um, now, this morning, Pastor Paddy, uh, as he led us in partaking of the communion, reminded us that we have a living hope. Amen. A living hope in Jesus. Now, I would like you to just turn to your neighbor and, and, and proclaim that, right? Proclaim that from... Uh, from within you, right, that this is what you believe, that we have a living hope. Can you do that? I'm just trying to gauge the level of faith this morning. I'm trying to gauge the level of faith this morning. You know, how much faith do we have, right? Do we really believe that we have a living hope? Because I see, like, we are just mumbling it out, but we are not really, like, uh, digging deep inside, huh? Okay. Now, uh, as what um, I believe Pastor Swan has sent out the message to, move, to those of you who are in the broadcast, you would have received it. Uh, this month, we are going to be looking at a new theme. It's still, it's still in, the, uh, in the area of the kingdom of God, but this month, we are looking at kingdom culture, okay? Kingdom culture. And as we go along the month, there'll be different messages and, and topics to, for us to consider not only what kingdom culture is, right? Today, we'll be looking at uh, what kingdom culture is and how do we adopt kingdom culture. But we'll also be looking at a series of uh, what are High Point Life's culture, uh, kingdom culture responsibilities, right? Uh, and so, now... As I said, uh, the morning topic for consideration is adopting a common culture. This morning, we'll be looking at this topic, adopting a common culture, right? Uh, I, I think that, that most of us would agree that when it comes to adopting or embracing a common culture, it doesn't come naturally. Can, we, can I have a show of hands, those of you who like... Maybe, you know, you have a change of jobs or, you know, you go from one environment to another environment. You are able to adopt to the culture very quickly. I think some people may be a little quicker, but generally it takes time, right, to adopt to a new culture. Maybe even, for example, you have come from EFC, PGEFC, right, and, and uh, you're still in that journey, right, of adopting to High Point Life's culture, correct? So uh, it, it's not easy, you know. Uh, I, I just share with you, uh, an example from my own life. Now, uh, those of you who know, uh, perhaps know Chuchin and I, we have been married for 20 years now. And I remember that when we first got married, there were a number of culture shocks that happened, right? You know, we, uh, I'm like, I, don't come from a, I don't come from a very traditional Indian family. In fact, I don't even speak any Indian, uh, Indian dialect. But, uh, you know, but when, when we married number of people told us that, uh, you know, you're going to have culture shocks, and I didn't know what they meant by it, okay? But when we got married, I still remember uh, one day my mom coming to me, and my mom is here, right? Yeah, she would remember, and then, and then she asked me this question, why is it that this uh, Chuchin's family, why is it that they seem to be fighting all the time, okay? So I had to explain to her that they were not, they're not fighting, uh, because she, she comes from a Hokkien family, okay? 
And those of you who know the, the Hokkien dialect, when they speak, sometimes it can, it can seem very crude or it can seem very abrupt, right? And if you don't know, uh, if you don't know, you, you would think that people are fighting, okay? Because they can be a bit loud and so on, right? Um, and then, of course, there was uh, differences in culture of how we, we, we brought up children, okay? And so I remember my first born, uh, when Nicholas was born, and uh, the way my, my mom had raised kids versus the way, uh, you know, Chiu Chin's mom had raised kids was very different. And so we had different, uh, different conflicts that, you know, that, that, that came about, okay? So even in Malaysia, right? We understand that we have been uh, we have uh, been shaped to embrace a diversity of culture. Culture, right? We have the we have the majority the Malays, we have uh, Indians, we have Chinese. I, I went to Kebangsaan school, and so you know we we really enjoyed this diversity of of culture, right? And we see how uh, the different ethnic groups have started to embrace uh, different cultures as well. Today, how many of you? Uh, I've noticed that even the Malays and Indians give ang pao packet. You notice that, right? During Hari Raya, also got ang pao packet, right? And then uh, during Deepawali, also got ang pao packet now. And then the fireworks, have you noticed that now during Deepawali, seems to be louder. Louder than Chinese New Year, right? Betul tak? Huh? Huh? And then we enjoy each other's uh, cuisines immensely, right? And we all have common slang words in Malaysia, like uh, tapau. I don't think uh, if you go to you go to other places, they would understand what it means. But it's something we understand: tapau, walawe, right? <laughs> okay. So terawana, and then bojo, uh, bojo, right? Ah, uh, bojo, right? So all these kind of words we are, we are so used to. But but as we look deeper into the heart of our nation. In reality, it's sad to see that uh, there is a great divide and disunity which is ever increasing over the years, right? And this has resulted in a nation that is becoming more and more fragmented, um, more and more divided. So on the surface, on the surface, while there may seem uh, that we have embraced this diversity of culture, right? A common Malaysian culture. But in reality there is a great divide in the value systems and beliefs that we have, okay? And this great divide in the value systems and beliefs that we have in our nation has, has resulted in this division, in this uh, fragmentation. And so we want to look at kingdom culture today. And I like this definition. You can see it on the screen. Uh, this is the definition of culture which I think um, makes a lot of sense to me, right? A culture is a way of life of a group of people, okay? A way of life of a group of people, their shared values, beliefs, and behaviors, right? So their shared values, so values are very important when it comes to culture, and what they believe, which then results in, uh, you know, a, a, a behavioral pattern, okay? So this is what, um, this is the definition that I like or culture, and the key word here is shared, right? The key word here is shared. Because if, if, if the values are not shared, the behaviors are not shared, the, uh, you know, the, uh, your thinking, your mindset is not shared, right? It cannot be a common culture. 
I, I've been in the, uh, the, the corporate world now for over 20 years. And we see that organizations, for those of you who are in uh, larger organizations, you see that they, they spend a lot of money and resources uh, perhaps trying to, to, to define the organization culture okay, and, and, and the values so that employees can get aligned. Because they understand that with alignment, with alignment of culture or, and a common healthy culture, right, uh, there can be a lot of um, benefits to the organization. You agree with me? Right? And, and if, if there isn't a culture that is adopted and, and everyone is, um, you know, uh, having their own way of thinking, doing, the, uh, doing their own stuff, uh, the organization cannot be aligned and, we, and, and they will not be able to achieve things like uh, increased teamwork and unity, for example, or, or uh, increased employee engagement or even, you know, able to drive the productivity and, and performance of, of the company. But yet we see that in these organizations, right, and those of you who are, who are managers like, like Tian Hao and uh, even Dr. Sean and so on, you, and, and you, run your own, uh, you, you run your own divisions, departments, right? You, you would have experienced this, right? But even in these organizations, right, um, it is not easy to achieve these this desired cultures. And the reason for that is that very often it is driven by wrongly prioritized values, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind. Wrongly prioritized values. For example, the company that I, I'm with, it's a large IT organization. And when I started with this organization about six, seven years back, um, I enjoyed working there because uh, they were growing, yes, they were growing, and they had they tried to employ a healthy culture and, and they emphasized the importance of this, right? But over the years, as we, as we went along, uh, the prioritization of values started to shift, okay? And we started to see that there was more, there was more and more of an emphasis on, on profits, for example, driving profits for the organization, driving uh, shareholder value. I think every organization will look at the importance of driving shareholder value, right? And so, every quarter, right, they would come and say that, now, you did well last quarter, but this quarter, the sales target needs to increase, right? So your sales target needs to increase. And quarter after quarter, it's all about the numbers, it's all about the figures, and, and so the sales target needs to keep increasing. And so, the, the, the focus, the employees right now, there's a shift of focus from you know, the things that really matter, right, uh, within, they are not able to balance that right now because the goal or the vision, the primary goal or vision right now is to drive shareholder value or to drive profit, okay? And just a couple of, a month ago, right, uh, the shareholders decided, the board decided to sell the company for 65 billion US dollars. Uh, it was the third largest IT, IT uh, uh, sale, a uh, company sale in, in, in recent times. And, and so a lot of the employees right now are you know, feeling that all that they have put their time and effort in amounts to nothing because when the, when the board was asked why, why did they sell the company, they just said that the offer was too good to resist, right? 
the offer was too good to resist. And, and so there's a lot of uncertainty moving forward. Okay? So I want us to look at this, right? Um, there can be a common culture, and, and it, it aligns to the church. A church can also have a common culture, but that culture can be a toxic culture. Are you following me? It can be a toxic culture, which then results in some good results, yes. But are those the results that we are looking for as a church? Right? I, I want us to consider this, okay? So, uh, a common culture with, with shared toxic values can achieve great results. Let's look at Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Okay, if you have turned to that, let's read this together, right? I don't have the full text on the screen because I would like us to refer to our Bibles. Genesis 11, verses 1 to 9. And now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens and so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to, to see the city and the tower the, the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from, the, from there over all the earth. And they stopped building the city. And that is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. Now, when you read this passage, you can immediately grasp that these people, <coughs> um, they actually shared a common vision, right? They shared a common vision and... Uh, with that common vision, they actually shared a common culture and a value system, okay? Um, and these values and beliefs were the foundation of their goals. And what was their goal? What was their goal? If you go back, it says, let us come and make a name for ourselves. Can you see that? That was their vision, their vision was that they wanted to make a name for themselves, right? And, and so, uh, they, were a, they were a group of people who were walking in unity, right? The Lord himself said, said this. What did, what did God say? If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, right? So that they will not understand each other. Okay? So God himself said, right? Because they had this common vision, because they had this, this, this common uh, 
value system, right? And they were so passionate about it that they are going to make a name for themselves, right? They were all locked in. And being so focused, they were going to be able to achieve what they wanted to achieve. <coughs> so I want us to, to know this, that values are seeds of culture and reveal what we believe to be right, to be good, and best, okay? Values are seeds of culture that reveal what we believe, what we believe to be right, good, and best. Okay? They give us a framework for making decisions and choosing what is important. Right? So values are only true values if they manifest uh, through action. You agree with me? How many of you know the uh, cultural uh, responsibilities of High Point Life? I know Anthony will pull out his card, lah, right? This morning, Pastor Stephen was asking about it, and then uh, most people were quiet, and then Anthony pulled out a card from his wallet. Where's Anthony? Eh? Oh, hiding, hiding, okay. So in his wallet, he has the card of High Point Life's 10 cultural responsibilities, okay? So now, <coughs> I want us to know this. Values are only true values, if they manifest through action, right? Otherwise, they are merely opinions. You agree with me? We can say that this is our value. We can say as a church, oh, look at this, High Point Life's cultural values. But if they, they do not manifest through action and we are not living it out, these are not really our values, right? Okay? For example, one can say that we value generosity. But unless we are constantly practicing generosity, all we do when we say we value generosity is that it's a notion that we believe is important, but, you know, it's not a value system for us that, that we are practicing, okay? Um, and, and so the, the total sum of our shared values brought together will create, will create our culture, okay? Are the sum of values brought together will create our culture, right? So what are the sum of values which define High Point Life? And what should be the sum of values which define the church of God? Let's take an analogy of, um, of plants and a garden, right? So an individual plant, how many of you like gardening? I know Uncle Yun Loy likes gardening. Who else does gardening? Uh, uh, Pastor Stephen is trying to get his wife to raise hands. Frankie likes, <laughs> Frankie likes gardening as well. You know, I can't do gardening. I just, I, I buy new plants and hope they survive. And then, and then uh, after that, Sudamati uh, Tukala. Okay? Uh, so, an individual plant, a tree, flower, uh, or vegetable, right? Let's just... Uh, Assume that's a value, okay? An individual plant, a tree, a flower, a vegetable. Now, a collection of plants together which form that garden, right, uh, is a culture, okay? Just bear with me for a while, right? So, the, the collection of plants is a culture, okay? It's, it's, a, it's a culture. So, that garden or culture, it has a purpose, am I right? It should have a purpose, okay? And perhaps a flower garden or it could be a flower garden, right? It could be a vegetable garden, right? Or it could be an, an, an orchard, right? A fruit orchard. 
And so, how is the garden's purpose determined? Anyone? Any thoughts? How is that garden's purpose determined? It's by the vision of the gardener, am I right? The gardener has a vision first, right? So, for example, when you, Auntie Flora, you prepare your nice garden, right? Do you have a vision for that garden? You have a vision for that garden, right? And so, when you have that vision for that garden, you, 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 you then go and uh, particularly choose certain, uh, you know, certain plants and so on that make up that garden and so that it fulfills your vision, okay? And, and so, similarly, uh, a church vision has to be clear. A church vision must be clear in order to determine what cultural values are necessary to see the vision fulfilled, okay? The goal of the church is this, to bring down heaven's culture and values down on earth. That's the vision of the church, right? To bring down heaven's culture and values down on earth. What, what did Jesus pray? Matthew 6, 10. What did Jesus say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in, Heaven, right? That's Jesus' prayer. So what was Jesus saying? You as the church right now, you and I, we are supposed to embrace kingdom culture, kingdom values, and so we are supposed to bring down heaven as it is uh, in heaven, right? Whatever it is that you can picture heaven to be, right? The, the culture of heaven, the values of heaven, and we are supposed to bring it down to the earth as we go and do life. Amen? Okay? And that's what uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus meant through his prayer, okay? <coughs> so the church's pur purpose is primarily the restoration of God's kingdom on earth, uh, both through the preaching and demonstration of the gospel, right? Not just the preaching of the gospel. Preaching alone doesn't do anything, right? It's through the demonstration. Remember I said value systems need to be acted out, right? So you need to demonstrate the gospel of, of, of God, okay? So restoration of the kingdom requires embracing these uh, uh, kingdom cultural values. And, and what is our vision again? It's at the back of the church. To be a church based on the New Testament apostolic model, driven by God's love to bring good news and discipling nations through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Right? <coughs> so some questions we need to be asking ourselves as a church this season. Now, I'm not going to answer all these questions today. I want you to just reflect on this uh, as you go back, right? We're not going to be answering these questions in this sermon. Uh, we, we might be looking at some of it. What kingdom values do we need to adopt as a church to see the vision fulfilled? Okay, first question, right? What kingdom values do we need to adopt as a church to see the vision fulfilled? Number two, where are we now in getting the church aligned? Now, what do I mean by this? Um, for a long time, we have been talking about our cultural values. In fact, uh, like what Pastor Stephen mentioned this morning, those of you who have been upstairs, you would, if you go to every room, you would see that our cultural values are actually 
printed out and, and, and put there to remind us of what we, who we represent and you know, what we stand for and so on, right? <coughs> but the more important question is, where are we in getting ourselves aligned to this, right? Uh, because if you are not aligned, if you are not aligned, then nothing is going to um, manifest itself, nothing is going to change. We won't, see, we won't see the shift happening in the atmosphere around us. We won't see transformation happening in people's lives, right? Number three, what are some of the obstacles we need to work through as a church, right? Number four, how do we get a higher adoption of core values and allow for multiplication, okay? So I'm just going to leave these four questions with you. <coughs> I want you to um, go back and reflect on this as a church, okay? Go back and reflect on this as a church. We're going to go on and look at other things now in the, in the message, but these four questions are vital, I think, in this season uh, as a church, right? So let us now start to look at, okay, we, we, we saw what a toxic culture can actually be like when we, when we read from Genesis. Now let us look how the early church started this journey of adopting a common kingdom culture. Can we turn to Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 to 47? <coughs> Acts 2, 42 to 47. Let me read this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <coughs> okay? Um, we are going to have think, five takeaways that we are going to look at. Okay? Five takeaways. So, very quickly, the first one, as we read this, as I read this, right, in order for us to start this journey of adopting a common kingdom culture, takeaway number one is this, there needs to be a devotion towards God's Word for the renewal of our minds. Okay? There needs to be a devotion towards God's words for the renewal of our minds. Embracing kingdom culture uh, does not happen just because someone uh, professes faith in Jesus Christ. You agree with me? You can just profess faith in Jesus Christ. You can just know the gospel. You can know what Jesus has done for you. You can, you can be saved uh, you can be sitting here for 10 years, uh, but you still may not have embraced kingdom culture and start to live out kingdom culture, right? Or just because you're attending Sunday service or attending a small group, it doesn't mean that you are embracing kingdom culture, okay? Um, it also doesn't happen, as I mentioned earlier, just because we have our cultural values printed in all the rooms or on our website so that you can visit it once in a while, Right? Uh, or, or even the occasional sermon like today, right? I can be preaching and then throughout this month, uh, we'll be having a couple of uh, uh, Sundays where we'll be visiting our, our uh, cultural values, but that is not going to get us to embrace kingdom culture, right? If you remember, 
when the Israelites were, um, they, they, they were enslaved in Egypt for, for 400 years, and then when Moses came to deliver them, right, and they had crossed the Red Sea right now, and they, uh, they were heading towards the Promised Land. <coughs> if you remember in Exodus, Exodus 24, right, these Israelites had already encountered God. They had seen the miracles of God. They had seen the hand of God delivering them. But in Exodus 24, when Moses was called up to the mountain to receive the covenant law, right, uh, we see what happens just a little, a, a few weeks later, right? As they were waiting for Moses, Moses was there for about 40 days. And just a few weeks later in Exodus 32, we see how the, these Israelites who had already encountered the power of God, they, because the values of Egypt were so entrenched in them, what did they ask Aaron to do? To go and make them an idol, right? The golden calf. You remember that account of the golden calf? Yeah? And so, they were taken out of Egypt, but Egypt had not left them, right? Egypt was still within them. The cultural values of Egypt were still within them. And so, their minds hadn't been renewed. And so, God had to take them through this process of refining uh, in the desert for 40 years before they actually crossed over to the promised land, right? There needs to be a real hunger for the truth. There has to be a hunger for the truth. Now that you have come to Christ, do we have a complete devotion to the Word? You know, the Bible verse didn't say that they just spent time listening to the apostles. They said that they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. Look at the Bible verse, right? They devoted themselves to the teaching uh, of the apostles and, and to fellowship, right? <coughs> so church, my encouragement to us is this. We need to reflect on what worldly culture we have adopted, which counters kingdom culture. And the only manual that we can refer to is the Bible, right? Not self-help books out there, not some, uh, some guru who is, you know, uh, who is really good in the area, of, uh, the area that, that you are seeking help for, right? The Bible is our instruction manual, and the, it, it's when we are devoted to the Word of God, that we start to see shift happening. In John 8, 31 and 32, this is what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't say, if you casually read my word. Did he say that? If you casually read my word, if you come on a Sunday and you, you just look at the screen, uh, when, the, when the Bible verses pop up on the screen, and then you are my true disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Did Jesus say that? If you occasionally do your devotions, if you pick up your Bibles and, uh, you know, uh, even if you daily do your devotions, right, and just for the sake of going through the motions, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that if you abide in my word, what does abiding mean? Abiding means having a total devotion, being fully connected, really, really hungering for, for this truth and, and, and wanting that truth to manifest in your life and, and, and for it to, uh, to realign your, your, your value system so that you can live it out. That's what abiding means. And so if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and then you will know the truth 
and then the truth will set you free, right? Then the truth will set you free. Sometimes we, we quote this verse very flippantly. We say that the truth will set you free, and so is the Word of God. But Jesus, we forget the abiding part. We need to abide in His Word, amen? Okay? And Romans 12, 2 tells us this. <coughs> uh, don't copy the behavior and customs or culture of the world, but allow God to transform you into a new person by the way you think. That's right. By the way you think. So everything starts from our thought process. It starts from the way we think, our mindset, okay? I was just uh, having a chat with uh, my cell group the other day and I was telling them how, I mean, a lot of us are on Netflix today, right? Uh, and, and all this online media and and sometimes I like watching Korean dramas, okay? So I might look quite serious, but I do enjoy <laughs> watching uh, uh, some of these things, okay? But, but then, you know, uh, when I start to see that in every single series or, or movie, right, the, the subtle way that the culture of the world comes to you, and I need to check my heart, when those things are portrayed on the, on the show, how am I responding? Am I enjoying it? The moment I, start to, I, the moment I start to see that, hey, why did I respond that way? You know, I, have, I, I, I laughed when I shouldn't have laughed, right? It shows that something is not right already. It shows that the, the, the cultural value and the value system of the world is still somewhere entrenched in me that, uh, that, that you know, even though I'm aware of it, right? I, I, I'm, I've allowed it to still be a part of me, right? So I, I need to be very conscious. We all need to be very conscious. What is it that we have accepted as norm? Okay? And just allowed to just uh, be part of us and we say, no, it's just normal, but we don't, uh, we don't disengage from it. Are you following what I'm saying? Right? <coughs> okay? Um, so the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do we really want it? And again, the transformation, my dear brothers and sisters, is supernatural. Hallelujah. It's when you devote yourself to the Word, God does something supernatural, okay? It's not you and me willing ourselves to say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. No, you cannot do it, right? Even that transformation, when you read that Word, the living Word pops out and then renews your mind, and then there is a supernatural shift that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, uh, number two is this. It requires supernatural transformation uh, driven, uh, driven through deep corporate prayer. Um, in those times of corporate prayer and meditation of the Word, right, as they hungered for the truth, we see that and you read the Bible uh, verse passage that we reflected on in Acts, right? Acts chapter 2. The, the spiritual atmosphere shifted, resulting in miraculous signs and wonders. And it also resulted in a supernatural renewal of their minds and hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 tells us this. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so it requires a move of the Spirit of God, a, a real move when we come into alignment 
as we devote ourselves to the truth, to the Word of God, as we devote ourselves to prayer, it's the Spirit of God which is going to come and do that miraculous shift. Amen? Can I have an amen? Yeah? And, <coughs> and so I believe it is time for us as a church to get back into deep corporate prayer. I think it's very important. It is time for us as a church to get back into deep corporate prayer, crying out to God for an outpouring of His Spirit, for a deep sanctification work in our lives through His refining fire. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, what does the Bible say? After they prayed, the place where they met was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Do we have this kind of prayer meetings anymore today? I'm longing and yearning for us to return to this kind of encounters and prayer meetings where after we pray, the place where we were, uh, where, where we meet is filled with the presence of God and, and, and we are all shaken and we are filled with the Holy Spirit and, you know, there is transformation that happens and so when we leave that place, we don't just say, oh, that was a good meeting, right? That was a good meeting. Oh, I felt good. Uh, you know, I feel good today. But something really shifted. A transformation really happened and so when you go back home, right, you're on your knees and you're asking God for more and, and, and you are pressing in for more and, and you desire for that, that, that bigger breakthrough, you desire for real deep transformation in your life. That's what we should be longing for and so that we can start to see the church adopting kingdom culture, right? I want to encourage us, uh, transformational corporate prayer can happen anywhere and anytime, okay? You know, Pastor Paddy has been uh, with his prayer group for how many years now? 30 years, right? 30 years, more than 30 years uh, and these are prayer, a prayer group that is not from High Point Life, right? But they have been there encouraging each other, every day pressing in, praying for uh, once a week. They, they, they meet together, they pray for each other, they encourage each other, they, they do life together, right? And, and these are the kind of things I want to encourage you to, to start to be more intentional about, okay? It does not have to be a rigid, structured program, right? And you don't need to wait for the church to have it. We will be having it. We had encounter nights. We are going to continue as well. But what I want to, 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 to encourage you is this. Find like-minded believers and get into that time where you press in together and you really start to see God uh, doing something in your lives, okay? Take, take home number three is this. <clears throat> do life together. If you want to see us adopting a common culture, we have to do life together. There is no, there is no other way. Acts 2.44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. So who you spend time with is crucial, right? So we need to break free from our individualistic lives and start getting back to the early church model of really doing life together. Amen? Yeah? <coughs> You know, when, when Paul said, when Paul said, do not give up, you know, we are, we are, we are very, sometimes we quote this verse, right? Hebrews 10, 25, I believe. And Paul said, uh, do not give up the habit of meeting together, right? And then we say, oh, so you should come to a Sunday service. Don't give up the habit of meeting together. I encourage you to come to the Sunday service. But I want you to know more than that. I don't believe that Paul was just talking about a once-a-week service at all. 
He was not talking about coming to church for 90 minutes and saying that, okay, so I've done my part. I have not given up me uh, doing life together, you know, as, as a family of believers, right? You know, our busy schedules these days make it very difficult for us to make time to catch up. <coughs> even in our small groups, right? Even in our small groups, very often we are not able to, to, to make it to our small group. So my encouragement to us is this. When you read this passage, you see that they were really, really devoted to a point where they, were, they just couldn't miss meeting every single day. You notice that? What did he say? Every day. Look, look at your Bible. Acts chapter 2, go back to it. Every single day, they were doing life together. And this is why, my dear friends, the, 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 the culture of the kingdom of God was able to, to be quickly adopted by the church, Right? And they started to get aligned very quickly. And we, and we see great signs, wonders, miracles. We see lives being transformed. We see people being saved. Because they were doing life every day. <coughs> but in our case, we are doing life every day, yes, but not together as a, uh, as a church, right? I'm not saying that go into a holy huddle. Don't get me wrong, okay? We are supposed to be the light of the world. We are supposed to be mixing with our pre-believing friends and, you know, uh, and, and we are called to do that. But in order for us to be a light, we first need to be, be really committed to doing life together. Okay? <coughs> and it is through these, these times when we are with those uh, fellow believers, right, that um, we can start to discuss the struggles we face, the challenges we face, right? The, the conflicts we face within us for the... Uh, which contradicts the, the value systems of the kingdom and the value systems of the world. And, and, and we shouldn't just go away being entertained, right? Like, I know Dr. Sean's cell group has good food, right? I heard. I've not been invited yet, but okay. Uh, Wednesdays, they have good food. And, and so you shouldn't just go and, uh, to Dr. Sean's house and then you know, say, oh, I, I enjoyed it, the, the, the food was great, right? And we had a good time laughing. And that's not, what, that's not what the cell group is about. That's not what your small groups is about, right? And, um, and another question is this. Are our meetings full of pretense? What do I mean by pretense? You know, we go through the motions of discussing sermon questions and, uh, and reading the Bible. And so pretense means that you come and then when, when questions are asked, right, in your cell group, you give the response you think people want to hear. Are you following me? You, you try to give the holy response, the, the right response, right? Rather than discussing openly what are the struggles you're facing, what are the challenges you're facing, uh, you know, uh, really, really sharing from your hearts, yes, I understand what the Word of God is saying, but I'm struggling with this, right? Can we talk about this? How can we be mutually accountable, to encourage one another, right? To live out these values right now. This is what we should be doing when we do life together, right? Not just come and go through the motions, okay, this is the, these are the questions Pastor Swansim has sent for our life group, and so we just discuss them, okay? And finish it, okay, we are done. You know what I'm saying? Right? How are we encouraging each other through the week? How are we, uh, uh, you know, uh, ask, asking each other to press in, okay? And my... Encouragement to you is this, if you cannot, <coughs> if you're not able to um, find a group, if you can't find a group, 
that you're comfortable with, by all means, find a group outside the church. Okay? The important thing is that you need to be encouraged. You need to be strengthened. You need to be able to connect with, with people that you can do life with, right? Because we are not a big church. I, we, we, we acknowledge that, right? So you may not be able to find uh, a group that you connect with. And if you need to, do it outside the church because we are a kingdom of God, amen? Right? We are not a holy huddle. We are not here to, uh, to say it's all about our church, right? It's not about that. It's about the kingdom of God and how God wants to use you and use me. Number four, be intentional and consistent in living out these values, right? Intentional and consistent. And that's why the Bible, uh, when you read it, it says every day, right? Take small steps together in your close groups. <coughs> Discuss how you can start walking out these specific kingdom values intentionally, right? For example, uh, those of you who attended the Life Zones, we have, started, we have started a series on the book of Psalms, right? Okay, and uh, we started with Psalm 1. And these last few weeks in our small group, as we started reflecting, you know, it, it got us to, to really ask difficult questions to each other, right? Or what it really means to live a righteous life versus a wicked life. But we shouldn't just stop there. As I mentioned earlier, right? Um, we, need to, we need to hold each other accountable. John 17, 18 says this. <coughs> Make them holy by your truth, right? This was Jesus' prayer, okay? This is Jesus' prayer, John 17, 18. When Jesus prayed for his disciples before he was betrayed and crucified, he prayed this. He said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, um, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Amen? Right? And so, we have to be intentional. We have to say, okay, uh, the only way we are going to see this shift of mindset happen is when we start to practice these values. And so we need avenues to practice the values, right? And so be intentional, go out and become that beacon of light. As you do that, you will start to see that truly it becomes ingrained in you because of the Holy Spirit's supernatural work. Because now you are living out those values. Okay? So be intentional and consistent. And then celebrate every victory as a team and family, right? You can only celebrate a victory if you, if you share your struggles, my friends. There is no victory without a struggle. There is no victory without being honest with each other, right? Or what we are struggling with. So, so celebrate each other's victory and, and don't give up and be persistent, okay? It's okay to fall. It's okay to make mistakes, right? It's okay to struggle, that's what we are here for, because we are here to build each other up as, as a body of Christ, right? Into, into the things that God has called us to. Last one, take away five. As God transforms you, become change agents and carriers of God's kingdom culture. Right? <laughs> Verse uh, 46 and 47 says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. 
right? Daily those who are being saved. Now, this is my desire. I don't know about you. This is my desire to see a real revival happen where daily people are being saved because we, are, we, are, we have, as a church, adopted this kingdom culture and we are living it out, we are walking it out, right? And we have become change agents, okay? And as we start to <coughs> host God's presence and glory wherever we go, can you see that it says that God started to grant favor with everyone? Look, read that. God started to grant favor with everyone. So you don't just start to get favor with Christians or church people, okay? You start to get favor with everyone. And, and so everyone starts to respond in a way where they want to know more about Jesus. And, and, and so we start to see that from there, there is a real shift of atmosphere happen and people will start coming to Christ. And this is what our vision is all about, church. Our vision is about reaching people for, for Christ, reaching the lost, allowing them to, you know, encounter God and come and be saved and have a new life with Him. Amen? <clears throat> and so God wants to use you and me to do great works for Him, for the kingdom. He wants us to become the change agents for His kingdom. Are you willing? Are you willing? Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 to 21 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What is it that you desire. I want to ask you this today. What is it you desire? Shall we stand to our feet as we close? What is it that you desire? What is it you truly desire? Are you or am I locked in to the things of the world? Am I so focused to the thing, of the things of the world that when it comes to the things of the kingdom, Yes, I enjoy the things of the kingdom, but I do not have that kind of devotion. I'm not willing to completely surrender everything for the kingdom. This is what God promises us. If we are aligned with the kingdom, and if we desire to see the values and, and kingdom culture be, be lived out through us, right? God is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is my desire for us as a church. Are you tired of living the worldly race you have been running? I know I'm tired. My wife and I are my wife has been working for 26, 27 years now in the corporate sector and uh, we are sometimes really, really exhausted. But we know that we are called to be a light there. And so how do we, you know, uh, where we are, where we are, allow the Holy Spirit to bring that shift within us, to become that light that God wants us to be. 
Are you tired of embracing the worldly values? Worldly values, continued pursuit of wealth or meaning in all the wrong places, meaning in your career, meaning in your companies that you're building, meaning in, uh, in, in, your, in your family, right? Are these where we, we are trying to find meaning of life in? Have you a desire to start becoming a change agent for God? But perhaps you feel unworthy, you feel that I'm not good enough. I want you to know this, that's a lie of the devil. Right? It's true that none of us are good enough. But in Christ Jesus, we can do all things. Hallelujah. It starts with us saying yes to God. It starts with us today saying yes to God. But 13 years ago, I was at those crossroads. Now I lived a life of condemnation. I felt like a hypocrite. I felt useless. I just felt that, you know, uh, I can never do anything for God. But I want you to know that these are all lies. When you start to have that true desire, when you start to surrender to God and tell God, I cannot, God. God, I cannot. I know I cannot. I had to reach that point where I said, no, I cannot. I will not try anymore by myself. I cannot. But God, you can. You can, O oh Lord. And today, I come to you, Lord. I really want to surrender. I say that, God, I cannot. But I want to have that encounter with you. God, you have promised me that your divine power has given me everything pertaining to life and godliness. And today, God, I want to receive it. I want to receive that divine power. I want to receive that transformational encounter with you. As I didn't let go 13, year, 13 years ago, I was almost at the point of giving up. As I didn't let go, as I came to the foot of the cross, as I started crying out, God encountered me and He was faithful to His promises and He said, My son, today, you will encounter my glory. And I did. And it has never been the same since church. And my encouragement to you today is this. God wants to work out something supernatural in your life. It needs to start with that seed of desire. That seed of desire. Would you dare to take God for His word this morning and believe that as you cry out to Him, He is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ever ask or imagine. Hallelujah. So if you are someone perhaps feeling tired of all the striving and struggling, and perhaps you have yet to have a real life transforming encounter with Jesus, and if you want someone to pray for you, I would encourage you to come and to the front later or seek the pastors, seek the leaders, or even if you're comfortable with someone else in the church, a brother or a sister, go and look for them. Let them pray for you. We'll be glad to spend some time talking with you and praying with you. Don't go, don't leave, don't leave today without surrendering it to Him. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, just surrender it to Him because God really loves you and He wants to use you much more than what you can even begin to imagine. And, and He's going to do it as you surrender. Amen. Father, I thank You so much. I thank You, Lord. I just pray right now, Lord, that as we quieten our hearts before you, Holy Spirit, show us, show us the depths of our heart. Allow us, Lord, to, to know the depths of your love as well. 
and to just come before you, Lord, knowing that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you want to do a new work in us, that you want to bring transformation in our lives, that you want to use us greatly for your glory, Father. For those of us who are feeling unworthy and, and feeling like, Lord, we, we are just tired, we have been hitting the wall over and over again. Father, I just pray that today, Lord, that there would be an encounter, Lord, we just call upon you, Holy Spirit. Flood us, Lord. Flood us afresh with your refining fire. Flood us afresh with your, with your power. Flood us, flood us afresh with your love, for oh God. We need more of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. But we can do nothing apart from you, Lord. Father, I pray that, from, that today's message wouldn't just be a message of encouragement, but Lord, that this seed that has been planted, this word would just manifest and, and bring transformation in our lives, including my own life. Father, I just pray that, Lord, we would not rest and, and say that we are comfortable where we are, Lord, but there is so much to be done for the kingdom. Father, let us just come together as a church, be aligned with your value system, with your kingdom, with your kingdom values, Father, and allow our hearts, Lord, to, to just give up the things of the world, the things which are hindering, the things and the sins which so easily ensnare us and hold us back from moving forward. Let us give it up, Lord. Only you can help us with this, Father. We just thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that today, for my brothers and sisters who are struggling, let the grace of God, the peace of God, the strength of God, the power of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon them. Let there be breakthroughs. Let there be deliverance. Let there be renewal, Lord. Let there be a deep desire that is birthed today that as they go forth from here, that they would, that, that they would, not, uh, that they would not take a step back, but they, they would just rush forward into your arms, allowing you to come and, Lord, embrace them and bring them into their destiny, Father. I thank you, O Lord. And Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this promise right now. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen and Amen.